Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome back to another episode of Open Floor, filling in for your host, Michael DePodpina. I'm Rohan Nakani, joined today by the host of the SI Weekly podcast, slumming it on Open Floor, just, <laughs> uh, you know, sullying his good reputation, uh, the Minister of Philadelphia Sports Propaganda, it's John Gonzalez. Gons, how's it going, buddy? Thank you so much for having me. This is very exciting. I have appeared on this program previously with Pina. I've guest hosted this program when you and Pina and Chris Herring were out. (laughs) You have been on Sports Illustrated Weekly with me, which, by the way, please listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, But you and I have never done this show together, so I'm very excited to do it without Pina around so we can just slander the Boston Celtics. Exactly. You tried to, in fact engage in a hostile takeover of the show um and we we reached a detente and now we're here yes uh together you know it's funny because we got a review one it was aborted much like elon musk trying to take over twitter yeah (laughs) exactly exactly we got a review one time that i don't understand where it came from and I, i don't know if it was after you hosted the show or not but the review was like, if I wanted to listen to a Philly Sports Homer podcast, I would do that instead. And I was like, how how did you listen to Open Floor and get that impression? Listening to Pete and I, I, I but I don't, I, I need to like check the. Maybe time it was it. after I hosted. No, because I thought when I hosted, we had Stavros, a comedian, on, and I I'm relatively <laughs> certain we spent most of the time talking about the Knicks, but I might be misremembering that. It seems like. I mean, it seems like something that I would do that I would like co-opt right. this program and turn it into like a very provincial Philadelphia sports podcast. Uh, and there's still time for that later in the show. Yes, but exactly. I, 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 I remember it's slightly different, but that person might be right. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. Um, well, Gons, we have some 
you know, some sad news to start the show today. Obviously, yes. on Sunday uh, at 88, uh, I mean, there's really, you can say Celtics legend. It, it's selling him short. Uh, Bill Russell uh, dying at age 88 on Sunday. Um, man, man, oh, man. It's uh, it's kind of just hard to believe that someone like his his life even existed, you know? And there's been so many beautiful tributes. Our colleague Chris Mannix writing a column today. His number six should be retired across the league. I'm fully in support of that. Mm. The the thing that strikes me about Bill Russell is that, you know, I joke on this podcast, like, I don't care about any basketball that happened before 1980, blah, blah, blah. Mostly just to dig at the Celtics titles that, that Pina's always talking about. But in all seriousness, I think, like, the basketball, when you talk about Bill Russell, the basketball really does come so far down the list, even though he's one of the most accomplished athletes uh in the history of sports uh especially team sports but just uh the issues that he stood for not only when he was an athlete i mean someone who stood with colin kaepernick for example these last few years and just reading the stories about the explicit racism that he dealt with Mm -hmm. it's not that these things never happen anymore but the degree to which they were happening to him it's just hard to believe that that it's just hard to believe that it happens sometime. It's so far removed from yours and I's reality, for example. Uh, just truly uh, an incredible person. Yeah, I mean, I, you and I both uh, on this program and elsewhere uh, love to delight in making fun of the Boston Celtics. But when Bill Russell, somebody of his stature, passes, that goes, you know, like the snarkiness goes out the window and like you can mm-hmm. fully appreciate him and his life as a person. And to be honest with you, like the preponderance of my thoughts about Bill Russell passing have nothing to do about basketball, right? Because he was an incredible all-time Hall of Famer and, you know, obviously before our era. But anybody who's a basketball fan is well acquainted with the type of player that Bill Russell was, how transformative he was. He won 11 championships. He was a 12-time All-Star, an Olympic gold medalist. I wasn't thinking about any of that. I was thinking about the activism and the social justice Mm -hmm. and how he fought for civil rights and was right in the thick of it. I mean, this is a guy who was born in the Deep South in Louisiana, whose parents and family were subject to deeply dehumanizing Jim Crow laws. And that shaped his existence, right? I mean, throughout the entirety of his life, this was a man who stood up and spoke out for the things that he knew to be right against uh, laws and thought processes that he knew to be wrong. And I just like have such deep respect, abiding, uh, long living respect for somebody like that who, you know, let's, when it comes to professional athletes, there are, we, we've seen it, right? I mean, they're, they live among us now, right? They live comfortable lives. Certainly during Bill Russell's era, they weren't compensated in the same way, but for the whole of sports existing, athletes mm-hmm. tend to live more comfortable lives than the rest of society. So you, you frequently have people who don't speak out and don't want to say anything about what's happening mm-hmm. uh, in the world. Bill Russell was the opposite from the first to the last. And like I have, again, such deep respect for people like that who at p- potential expense to them say, this is what I think. This is what needs to change. This is what I believe to be right and wrong. And like all to his credit, he's a legend in so many ways and so... So much of it doesn't have anything to do with basketball. Absolutely. And there's so many ways uh, to talk about him. And, you know, one thing that really strikes me is, you know, we live obviously in a very kind of like charged moment in society. And 
realizing the ways in which the systemic racism that he fought against, you know, the different ways in, in which it's manifesting itself now, right? Again, it's it's maybe not as explicit as uh, some of the things that he dealt with. Doesn't mean it, it's gone away entirely, but just to think about, again, and I, I don't want to... It's just tough to think about the fact that there's going to be so many people who pay tribute to him today who are going to criticize the next round of athletes mm-hmm. who take the yep. similar stand that he did. And uh, it just it goes back to his braveness and just how cool he was. And I just think about like how all the times I was at an all-star weekend or at an event that he was at, or it's just so cool how much he was around the NBA. You can tell, I don't, I can't think of a single player who does not have just the utmost respect for him and, and what he means to the game and the influence that he still has on players. It's, it's really beautiful. And it's just, he's such a larger than life figure to me. I think yeah. I've told the story on the podcast before. I know it told it to Pina at least, but I remember leaving Charlotte for All Star Weekend once, and ahead of me in the security line at the airport was Bill Russell. Yeah, I, I was just so taken aback. I, I, I've never, ever, ever, ever been that starstruck in my entire life. I, I was like, this is like an American hero. I was like, why are we even making him go through security? Like this is. <laughs> I, I, I was like, you know. Yeah. I don't, you don't want to, like, I, I was like, do I shake his hand? Do I say something? I don't want to bother this guy. Um, it's just such a larger than life figure that, yeah, it, I know it sounds silly, but I, I sometimes I, I can't believe he's real. I know I keep saying that, but when you see all the stories about, oh, when his house was vandalized, when the Celtics yeah. would go on road trips or the fact that, you know, they, that exhibition strike that he led in Kentucky, it's like things like that are just... <laughs> They're so far removed um, kind of from what we're dealing with today. It's it's crazy, man. So a long time ago, I'm older than you, uh, <laughs> a long time ago. In, in you the somehow very look younger, though, and it's really disconcerting. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, all, it's really just lighting and special effects. <laughs> yeah. uh, but a long time ago, when I was first coming up, I was a senior writer for Boston Magazine, and I had the great fortune to speak with Bill Russell. You mentioned you know, when his house was vandalized, when the Celtics would go on the road. That was something that a lot of the Celtics, a lot of the black players had to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked to Casey Jones about it one time. And I had, the, I had the great fortune of speaking with Bill Russell just about life in Boston as a black man. And like he was so great about it and so thoughtful. And he said, you know, I think about myself first as a human being and as an activist and as an athlete mm-hmm. second. But the symbolism of how he handled things in that city. I mean, like all the, all the accomplishments we talk about with him and the Celtics, I think his greatest accomplishment and what really meant so much, um, not just to the black community, but sports writ large. He was the first black head coach of anyone of any of the four major sports in America. And he did it in Boston. And for people who don't really understand, Boston has a, let's call it fraught history with race relations. They were famously, the Boston Red Sox were famously the last team to integrate in Major League Baseball. And then you have Bill Russell, who's this transformative figure who, despite the fact that his house was vandalized, was still uh, a beloved figure in Boston and who loved Boston back, right? And Mm -hmm. um, didn't stop fighting for the things that he knew to be right, didn't excuse the racism that was... Um, prevalent in Boston, the undertones of it, sometimes the overtones of it, and yet was this unifying figure. And like the way that he bridged that gap, I don't think that I would have had that grace 
right? I don't think that if I was somebody who was in his position and came home and found my house vandalized or uh, heard slurs on the street that I could turn the other cheek and go, no, you know, I'm going to keep fighting for these things, but also I can see the good in people who aren't like that. But that was Bill Russell. And like when he was given the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President Obama, he said, I hope that this is an indication that I led a good life. And man, did he. That's really well said, John. And and you nailed it. I mean, yeah, you and I are not going to be able to unpack kind of uh, fully that era of American society and yeah. the race relations in Boston. And, and I think you bring up a good point. Like he did love the city and there are black people in Boston who loved him. And it's it, it there's so many layers to that situation. And it was so complicated. But you mentioned just the kind of the, you know, I would I also don't blame the people who don't have grace, but just kind of the integrity, which with he dealt with everything that came his way in his life is it, it's really beautiful. And I do want to talk about him as a basketball player for a second, only in the sense that I just love how much of a competitor he was. Um, like you, you know, just even forget the championships and all those things. Like we always hear these stories about, you know, Michael Jordan or et cetera, these people who are kind of these legendary competitors. And I think you can put him in that category. I mean, there's that clip, that you know, a lot of people have shared. I remember watching it when it happened, but he's on stage at like the NBA Awards with all the other centers, and he's pointing at all of them. And he's like, "I would kick your ass!" <laughs> like that's awesome, you know. I, I, just that competitive spirit that he had. And there's a clip that I saw. Again, a lot of people have been posting this. I think he's talking to Kobe Bryant in an All Star game. And he's like, "I like to watch players." He's like, "The way I like to watch basketball is I want to see what agenda players have when they're on the court." And then what they're doing to try to fulfill that, you know, I'm paraphrasing. And I think that's just a, such an insight into he wants to see people compete, right? That's he wants to know what their agenda is. Is it to win? Is it to compete? And again, when you talk about his legacy as a basketball player, it goes so much more than the rings he won, but his approach to the game and, you know, wanting to be better than Wilt. Um, man, they they I just don't know that we have a figure like that anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, they had some epic battles for sure. They pushed each other. I think they made each other better. That competition, that level of effort that you're talking about on the court. And again, for me, all oh, that's great. But it, like what he did off the court, like just mm-hmm. is everything for me. But mm-hmm. that that level of effort that he gave in his life it had to be exhausting. Yeah. Like, like think about how good he was as a basketball player. That alone takes supreme drive focus determination um just like like knowing that you have to do it season in and season out and then on top of that off the court you know there's no rest for him there was never any rest for him up till he was 88 he was just still going he was just incredibly dynamic and i want to bring it back to that uh, medal of freedom thing too because he didn't he didn't ever like tune out Right in mm-hmm. 2017, he posted a picture kneeling with that Medal of Freedom mm-hmm. around his neck in solidarity with the NFL players who had been attacked and criticized by pre- then President Trump. And I'm like, this guy doesn't take any time off. He's yeah. he's an octogenarian, and he's like, oh yeah, I'm not gonna let this moment pass. He could, like, of all the people on the planet who could afford to let a pitch go by because of all the goodwill and effort that they had accrued, right? All the equity that they had put in it would be Bill Russell. And he's like, nah, not taking this moment off. Like, that's Bill Russell. That's such a great point. Yeah, the that's such a good point. The effort, man. It has to be exhausting. All the things that he dealt with and 
like, I'll just never know how someone's able to lead a life like that. And you mentioned, yeah, kneeling with the that metal, like that's truly, truly iconic. People use mm-hmm. that phrase like freely now, jokingly now. That's that's truly iconic. And yeah, like you said, never let a pitch go by. Taking that stand again when you when people were being criticized by literally the president. Um, again, it's just integrity. That's what that is. That always being on the right side of history it's really remarkable um we're do just, you think we're, that he got his i mean because obviously you know he's being feted today everybody's remembering mm-hmm. him he is one of the greats of all time and, and is remembered that way but do you think that he got his full dude like the people properly remember bill russell and his legacy because i in today's so we have a, an SI Now newsletter. It's written by Josh Rosenblatt. I highly recommend everybody subscribe to it. It's really good. Every day he's got some really fresh stuff in there. But so he unearthed this story from Frank DeFord, a legendary SI writer, and he has a quote in it from Tommy Heinsohn, who's also a Celtics legend, longtime Celtics color play-by-play guy. Here's the quote. I want to read it to you. And I think this frames it up. And this doesn't even get into uh, the social justice, civil rights mm-hmm. activism. This is just the basketball component. Mm-hmm. Tommy Hansen, quote, look, all I know is the guy won two NCAA championships, 50-something college games in a row, the 56 Olympics, then he came to Boston and won 11 championships in 13 years, and they named an effing tunnel after Ted Williams. Yeah, I That's saw that quote. Excellent yeah. point. Yeah. Um, I think that probably, like, contemporarily, I don't know that he necessarily got enough respect. I do think later in his career, like, I think what the NBA did, like naming the finals MVP trophy after him, like a small but great gesture. I loved seeing him at the finals every year. I think they did a yeah. great job bringing him, like I said, to all-star every year. I do think that at least within the NBA community, the last, at least as long as I've been covering the NBA, there's been so much respect for him and you can see it with the players. Um, and again, I, I think his willingness to kind of continue to take stands has really endeared him to players as well. Uh, that, it's tough. I mean, how do you kind of, how do you properly pay tribute to someone like him, right? Like it would take, it would take so many lifetimes for most other people to fit what he did in one that I, I don't know how you could even yeah. like properly really pay tribute to him. But I, I do think at the very least, like the respect and support I've seen from the NBA community for him, uh, at least since I've been covering the league, at least that I think is matched. Uh, what he deserves but i'm with you i mean like how do you where do you stop with him like truly a transformational figure and uh, a leader in in so many different ways what a life i mean honestly what a life like i he can i throw out one more thing please he managed to do something in addition to all of this other stuff that I thought was impossible, which is make me think fondly of a Boston Celtic. Like, <laughs> right? I mean, like, the guy's just like, yeah. he's just transformative yeah. and like, what a life lived. And the, the league, not just the league, but the country, you called him an American hero. That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, during the civil rights movement, when he, again, he just didn't take a moment off. Uh, and every moment after that, for him to stand up for equality and civil rights is just. Um, it, that is the defining legacy. And if he had done nothing else, it would have been an incredible life. And he did so much more. Yeah. No, we're honestly, we're just, we're lucky to have shared time with him. You know what I mean? Is, is the way I look at it. Uh, you know, we could talk about Bill Russell all day. There's so many great tributes. Like, please read that Frank DeFord story. Uh, read the Chris Manick story. But 
Yeah. Whatever you can read about Bill Russell, his memoir, our, our good buddy Michael Pina, back when he was writing for GQ, uh, wrote a piece about Bill Russell's memoir, which is harrowing in moments, but uh, just so informational and educational in so many ways. Highly recommend people. I believe it's called Second Wind. Um, highly recommend people read that. Um, yeah, man. Like you said, what a life. I, I think that's the best way to put it. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. We're going to move on now, talk about a little bit of other things going on in the NBA, uh, hit some mailbag questions. Uh, no you know, easy way to, to kind of segue out of that, obviously, but again, Bill Russell, like you said, man, what a life. Please read whatever you can about him. Uh, truly incredible. We're going to get to something else, though, that's near and dear to your heart that you texted me about. You're like, we got to talk about this. And I, I don't know how I missed it, frankly, but your Philadelphia 76ers, the cheaters that they are, the mm-hmm. rule breakers that they are, disgusting, uh, should be forced to sit and bead for the whole season, if you ask me. <laughs> um, 
tampering with P.J. Tucker. That's the allegation. They're being investigated for it by the NBA. All I'm going to say is it's real convenient that P.J. Tucker had a, you know had this deal lined up. James Harden just took the perfect amount of pay cut to fit him under the salary cap, etc. Uh, the league's now investigating them. The Knicks are also being investigated for potentially tampering uh, with Jalen Brunson. John, I mean, where do you want to go with this first? Do you want to go with the Sixers? Do you want to go with how tampering is insane? Uh, your thoughts on this issue as it as it pertains to your beloved Sixers. Well, as my uh, longtime friend Jim Waxman would say, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> so kudos to them on this one. So yeah, uh, Woj broke this uh, and said that the league is investigating possible tampering and early contact centered on the franchise's summer free agency class of James Harden, PJ Tucker, and Daniel House. Basically, how do you get Harden to take a, get decline his $47 million option and sign a one plus one <laughs> deal that cut his salary to $33 million and gave the team more flexibility to sign Tucker and house. Okay. But is it tampering really when it's your guy who's already there? Right. I mean, aren't you are like, isn't it something that, that uh, general managers and owners do with players of importance all the time. Isn't LeBron James constantly uh, having conversations about what players they want to bring in, which mm-hmm. players they want to ship out? I mean, if it, if, if Harden was still with the Nets, if Harden was with the Rockets and Daryl Morey was like, hey, why don't you come here? You know, we'll cut your salary back a little bit and then we'll have like an under the table deal for another contract down the road where we'll, we'll, we'll make you whole. Then it's one thing. So you got a guy in house. He, he already probably knows that you're going to make him whole. He wants to win. They get PJ Tucker uh, when they wouldn't have probably otherwise been able. They wouldn't have otherwise been able to bring him in. I don't think that this is the biggest deal in the world, but of course the league does. And my problem with it <laughs> right before uh, you and I started talking was that uh, at that moment before we started recording, the league hadn't been looking at the Knicks. <laughs> who had signed Rick Brunson as an assistant coach mere moments before hiring or before uh, acquiring Jalen Brunson. And I'm like, well, how is that not tampering? But so now they're looking into that as well. I think both of these, frankly, are much ado about nothing. I, I just find it odd how, the, how and why and when the league decides to adjudicate these matters and then how it meets out justice. I mean, it, justice like, in quotes. Yes, exactly. I mean, the, the Boyan Bogdanovich trade that didn't happen probably the most infamous example because it ended up not going through for the bucks but it's to me tampering it's like marijuana at this point it's like are we really still doing this are we really still pretending this is an issue are we really like like you said like the justice quote-unquote is inconsistent do we even consider it justice the punishment's inconsistent like when are we testing for it etc like this is so stupid and the league i mean how many podcasts, stories, videos, first take segments does the league get out of free agency movement? It's maybe arguably the most popular thing about the league now, frankly. And you're trying to restrict that on some level. You're trying to slow that down for who? Uh, as you mentioned, this is the fact that the Knicks can hire Jalen Brunson's dad and the league is going to turn around and say, oh, there's something fishy here. It's like, you think? I mean, yeah. this this all went out the window once you hired. Is the guy's dad not supposed to talk to him now? Has anybody at the league been to summer league? Like <laughs> yeah. everybody's talking to everybody. These things. I mean, this is if you were going to actually clamp down on tampering, 
then you would have to like nobody could have a cell phone no yeah. players could talk to each other yep. uh if, if you had like an assistant coach who went to a different team that you liked can't talk to him or a general manager who who got elevated and got hired as president for another team forget about talking to, i mean like all of a sudden that communication that's rampant in the league and by the way it doesn't just happen that information trading that swapping um doesn't just happen you know, between players or coaches and executives happens with the media. All the whole league is built on this information ecosystem. You really want to rip that down for what? I mean, like to suspend like, uh, or to, to acquire, like to delete a draft pick or, or something <laughs> yeah. because they had, they had a conversation that, that predated some artificial date that you would <laughs> yes. set down. Like, Oh, you, you can talk on June one, but not on May 31st. Like that doesn't make any sense. It's so, it's just exhausting. It's like, why are we doing this? And it's like, for a second round pick, two, it's like, that, like they're not going to do anything of consequence either. Well, I wonder about that because so, so Derek Bodner, previously of The Athletic, he, he now um, is out on his own writing a Substack at the Daily Sixers. He does Six a great News job, letter. by the way. Great job, he does, the Sixers. Yeah. If you're, if you're ever looking for Sixers news, he's, he's one of the best in the business. But he wrote a whole thing about this and he, he revisited, um, he revisited the Joe Smith tampering allegations <laughs> where that contract, basically he, he signed a contract for far under market value for like one year that allowed them to acquire various places, people and like replace Wally Zerbiak back in the day. And they got dinged a ton of first round draft picks. <laughs> David and Stern effed them up for sure. That one. They yeah. did. And I, and I think vo- maybe the void league the w- contract too. Yeah, they they went real overboard on that in in a way to like try to send a a message. And I think the league since then has kind of learned its lesson uh, and decided not to be as harsh there. However, there is some precedent for this type of quote unquote tampering um, being more harshly dealt with than maybe some other forms of it. So I'm wondering about that. And I'm especially wondering, and Derek made this joke in his newsletter, how uh, Sixers ownership will deal with it because as we've previously seen, anytime the league office puts a hot light on Josh Harris and the owners, they immediately toss people under the bus. I mean, uh, Sam Hankey had two Colangelos foisted upon him and then had to resign <laughs> as a result of Oh, here uh, we go. I, I, I should have known this would all roads lead back to Hinky with you all people. Roads, it's all, all you guys back. are just oh my god enough already with the hinky guy enough i'm i'm this was just a way of saying i am not super confident that josh harris will steal himself and fight back against whatever um punishment the league meets out here first of all the simmons and bead partnership was an abject failure that proved itself on the court for sure and thank hinky hinky for that secondly isn't there also <laughs> good point? Isn't there also something shady going on where Michael Rubin? Oh, I'm really talking out of my ass right now. This is going to get me in trouble. Perfect. Do Michael it. Rubin like left the team ownership, right? Yeah. But th- there's something weird going on there. <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like an avenue for him. Investigate to, Michael Rubin. Like cer- certainly, like if he wanted to give James Harden like ten million dollars from the Fanatics account, he could do that round and elide any suspicion. Theoretically, that there's just something weird about how he left that situation, and then but for, seemingly for people still- who don't know. Michael Rubin was a um, a part owner, a minority owner for the Philadelphia 76ers, is very rich, very famous. But and also their most like, visible owner, even though he was not the... Easily. Yes. Easily. I mean, like anytime you capture, see something of Michael Rubin like online, he's like 
on a jet with Meek Mill and Jay Z. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. know, or at a concert with with Harden and Embiid yeah. and whomever, and like he threw the white very party. I think performing. he threw like the white party yeah. that had a bunch of uh, NBA players there. By white party, I mean dress code. <laughs> um, by the yeah. way, yeah, he's yeah. white, but everybody yeah. else, uh, right? Various yeah. people there, everybody wearing yeah. white. This is something that was as a quick aside. Michael Rubin is in his fifties now. He goes extremely hard. He does go hard. Like, I would need a timeout from that life. <laughs> There's something interesting going on there, certainly. But yes, I think we're in complete agreement here. Tampering is so ridiculous. I, I who is the league doing this for? I guess like some small market owners are maybe upset about it and i maybe you know they're incredibly touchy after all the star movement that's gone on the last few years but if you're i don't know like and i'm not saying that they're complaining um but if you're like the oklahoma city thunder just to use a small market team and you think like tampering is the reason that like the sixers are getting pj tucker and not you like we all know that's preposterous we all know that's not the reason this is happening like just move on. Just stop investigating it. The only reason it exists is because you're investigating it. You know what I mean? Like, that's yes. otherwise, no one would care about this. No one would raise an eyebrow. It does not matter. Yeah, I think, you know, if you're Magic Johnson and you're on some late night talk show and you're then the president of the Los Angeles Lakers and you're openly pining for Paul That was George, awesome. That was good TV. <laughs> like... I mean, like, it's right out in front of you. Maybe you give him a little slap you, on the wrist. You know what who are else? We doing? What you know are we who, doing? You know who else was openly pining, though? Paul George. When he had, like, two, when he had, like two years yeah. left on his contract with the Pacers. Yeah. Uh, pretending to be from Los Angeles when he's from Palmdale, I believe. That's a oh, real sore spot. Zing to everybody that's a in real, Palmdale. That's a real sore spot, I think. I, I'm, I say that as an L.A. transplant. I have I'm, I have no skin in the game, but I think that upsets a lot of people. But yes, that was awesome. I thought when he was like winking on Jimmy Kimmel, being like, "Yeah, I'd love yeah. to get LeBron." That was sick. <laughs> um, I loved that. Right. You know what? I'm with you now. Let just like let's put tampering. Let's take it out of the shadows and put it in the spotlight. Yes, exactly. Tamper. Go ahead. You, you know, like if if um like oh, Embiid's contract is coming up at some point, and you know. The Lakers are like, man, we would love him. Of course you would. Yes. Who wouldn't? There is a like incredibly local like uh, show that they used to have on the local news in South Florida called Deco Drive, and mm. I think it was just like a gossip show. I, don't, I was like too young to watch it. Like I was like, you know, um, like I would love if Pat Riley went on Deco Drive and was like. Embiid, come sign with the Heat. Like that, yeah, that'd be hilarious. That would be good. That might be a, even. That might be my my line. <laughs> That's where saying. you draw the Pat, line. Pat Riley tampering, but everybody else would be fine. <laughs> um, shout out to Pat Riley. I just he throws the rings on the Deco Drive table. He's like Embiid. This is for you. <laughs> also a legend. Also a legend. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. 
And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. John, let's get to some emails. I don't know if... Have you had the pleasure of answering emails from the open floor globe yet i have not i'm ready for oh, this this is this is my favorite part about hosting the show is i get to pick the emails now uh it's a lot of fun please keep the emails coming everyone uh that's openfloormail at gmail.com um really loving all the emails we're getting so far this summer i thought this was an interesting one. Uh, this comes from our friend. Oh, God. I'm going to mess up the pronunciation of his name. And he even sent me a YouTube video to watch to learn the pronunciation of his name. But me being the lazy person that I was this weekend did not watch it. So I'm going to go with Mr. Levine. <laughs> I'm not going to even try- attempt the first name here because okay. apparently Pina messed it up last time. I don't want to suffer the same fate. Uh, this is the same emailer who sent us the worst player on a championship team question that derailed this podcast oh, yeah, for an entire I enjoyed episode. That. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Um this Good was episode. an interesting yeah, this was an interesting question. Um all right, so we got People keep bringing up assist-to-turnover ratio as a good measure for rating creators, but I really don't understand why. It seems like a really flawed stat to me. Not all assists are created by the pass that led to them, and not every turnover is the result of a pass. It feels like we found out semi-related stats and mashed them together, but it's just as arbitrary as rebound to shot attempt ratio. Am I missing something? I I never thought this deeply about assist to turnover before, and frankly, I'm a little intrigued. John, your thoughts? Um, I, what I like about the question is that it 
hints at what's important about stats in general and why most of them are flawed is the context, right? Mm -hmm. He's right in that not all uh, turnovers are a result of the actual pass. A lot of different things can go wrong there. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like, oh, and and also, I mean, usage rate matters when applied to assist to turnover ratio, right? If you have a high usage guard who's got the ball in his hands at all times, uh, who's ball dominant, I mean, the chances are his his turnover ratio is going to go up, right? And yeah. um, that's sometimes you have to take the bad with the good. Uh, you have a player that you like giving the ball to that much, chances are that, that he's going to uh, turn the ball over at times. Similarly, like, you know, I, this is something that I've debated with friends who are sort of like basketball enthusiasts but not as deeply into the weeds as maybe we are where Mm -hmm. they'll say oh you know did you see so-and-so's plus minus from this game it drives me nuts plus (laughs) minus in individual games is like one of the most useless stats most of the time there there, there, every now and again you'll get one where you go okay i guess that's kind of a good snapshot for this like one game but like there's so many different factors that go into it so i will say hilariously like um sorry not to cut you off but plus minus like Absolutely, the story of Joel Embiid's career, though, um, <laughs> which yeah. is funny. Like, I mean, and you can pick out individual games, like Toronto Game Seven, where it was like minus 10 Toronto Game Seven. I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> when Greg, the Greg Monroe. Monroe game, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Greg Monroe game. Yeah. So there, therein lies to, yeah. to button it all up. That's yeah. another good point. Context matters. Yes, I could not agree For more. All stats. And, and I will say, like. To your point about high usage, like Chris Paul is a perfect example of why assist to turnover is a good stat because he's the ball in his hands literally every time he's on every minute he's on the court. A very ball dominant player, even if he's not shooting a mm-hmm. lot, and famously very low turnovers. I mean, the guy doesn't turn yeah. the ball over. It's it's when he does turn it over, it's pretty shocking, which is why it was weird some of the games he's had in the playoffs. So I I agree, like it is. It's kind of a weird stat when you think about it. Not to mention assists. If we really want to get into it, we could probably do a whole episode on just assists in general. But like, John Stockton doesn't actually have that many assists. Like that Utah. So this is a hot take. So please I, explain. I, I have this fantasy where if I'm gonna be in the studio with Rick Ross one day, and they put me, they put oh. me on the soundboard. And this I'm just I'm just hitting the Maybach music drop button over and over and over again. It's going to be mu, 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 you know what I mean? Like just hitting the Maybach music button all over again. That's the jazz scorekeeper with John Stockton exists. Okay, they're not. <laughs> they're just hitting. The, I was they're, wondering how you were yeah, going to land that. They're plane. just they're just hitting the assist button over and over again. They don't care what's happening on the court. You're telling me this guy had like. 7,000 more assists than Jason Kidd or whatever the number is? No, he didn't. It was home cooking. I, I like, And you'll never convince me otherwise. It's, oh, I mean, so assists in particular, you're right. I, I love, you know, as a, as a lover of basketball, my favorite position was always point guard. Guys who were great mm-hmm. passers were always like, like Magic was my favorite player growing up as non- Sixers edition, of course, uh, just because I love the he was like such a magician, obviously magic uh, mm. with the ball. <laughs> and like so anybody who could pass and like um, do things like that on the court were were really highly entertaining for me. But even at a young age, I wondered like, OK, it does seem kind of arbitrary, like uh, if he makes the shot. Uh, or does it within two steps, then it's an assist, but like the hockey assist that gets you that assist doesn't really count for anything. And there's no way to quantify it. And it like, there are a lot of things that are arbitrary, but I think it just goes back to the original point that there's no stat really that's 
flawless. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, I guess you can say like counting stats, like points or something. Even um, points, though. How many shots but, did you take? Uh, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, um, so any of these, any of these stats, I think, are like just a small snapshot into what's happening, and you have to take them with a grain of salt, and then you also have to contextualize them. I will say all the stats that showed Jokic had a better season than Embiid, I'm fully in support of those. Those were (laughs) We're thirty something minutes into the pod. I did did you have Did you have me on SI Weekly to talk about Jokic? I honestly can't remember. I just think it's interesting that, you know, I I wrote this story, I would in my opinion, a fun story about a fun personality why this player should be MVP. I, I thought it could have been a two-parter for SI Weekly. I love Jokic. <laughs> I love Jokic. Um, I think when we did our SI staff picks, unsurprisingly, I was. I think I was one of two people who voted for Embiid. I think Mannix might have been yeah, the I other. I think the other guy wrote the Embiid story. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right after getting yeah. access to Embiid, yeah. I think he voted for Embiid. But... Uh, yeah. Anyway, we don't need to do the MVP. I'm never, I'm never writing again about why certain players should win MVP. That's like, why did people come out of the woodwork? It was just so much, and people are like, uh, just so many. Um, which I, 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 I honestly like genuinely respect the passion. Like I, I felt that way about Dwayne Wade in 2009. He should have won MVP over LeBron. Um, but people are like this guy thinks Embiid is trash, and it's like. I'm saying this guy had the second best season of any yeah. NBA player, and it's like I think he's trash. It's like let's just all take a in deep breath. In the same way, in the same way that we were talking about context when applied to sports, yeah, uh, or to stats, nuance is important. <laughs> and yet, sports frequently, especially on Twitter, does not lend itself to gray areas. Of uh, especially not. not in Philadelphia. So that's hardly surprising. So anyway, yeah, I'm I'm staying out of the MVP wars for the foreseeable future. Shout out to Jokic Smart. though, who said that great season. Um, playing great basketball is like eating ice cream every day. Even if you love ice cream, you get bored of it. Which what a legend! What an absolute legend! Um, Can I tell a quick Jokic story? Please, please. Um, the first time I met slash interviewed Jokic, I'd flown to Denver, and I was in the hallway. I hadn't I hadn't met him before, and all of a sudden he comes, you know, lumbering up. Yeah, he's a, and he, he truly embodies the phrase lumbering. He doesn't walk. He's a lumberer. He merely lumbers. Yes. Yeah. So he was lumbering, and this was bigger Jokic. This was like mm. pre kind of big getting honey. a little bit yeah. spelt. Yeah. He was he was thick. Yeah. Uh, two C's, and he came up with a bag, a big bag, uh, like a gallon sized plastic bag of loose candy, and he was just handing it out to people in the hallway. And stopped to give me some loose candy and then continued on his way. And eventually, you know, we had our interview or whatever. But that was my my introduction to Nikola Jokic on a random day in like, I don't know, it was like April, uh, early April. He's just walk- it was right before the playoffs pregame candy bag for everybody in the hallway. He's a lot of fun. The Nuggets have a fun vibe. I When I got to do my Jokic story, unfortunately, the stuff was all off the record. Like, I don't mean to tease our listeners, but Mike Malone absolute riot i love mike malone their coach mm-hmm. we were talking about that series versus the jazz with the Jokic mary pick and roll good dude uh shout out to the nuggets all vibes team uh we got another email this one comes in mm-hmm. from josh crane he says hey rohan and chris r.i.p peanut <laughs> by the way peanut's doing well uh quick peanut update he does appear to be reading a lot he's consistently posting books he's reading um 
And like he's, he's reading, a good reader. He's reading to his kid about the Celtics and stuff already. It's terrible. Uh, real bummer. He sent me a picture of reading to his child about that, and and the page that it was turned to was the Allen Iverson page. Mm. And I said, I said, good. You should raise the child as a Sixers fan. He yeah. said, no, we already went through the Celtics material. So, <laughs> yeah, terrible. I got to send that kid highlights of the uh, 2012 Eastern Conference Finals soon. So Josh <laughs> writes, uh, "Hey, Ron and Chris, and you know." The dead of the offseason seems like a good time to think about possible NBA expansion to Seattle and Vegas. If that ends up happening, how will the NBA balance the conferences? I think they'd want to move the Pels and Grizz to the east, which would be wild since you'd think those teams immediately move into the top tier of the conference. Would teams at the top of the east right now, like Milwaukee, Boston, or Philly, oppose such a move? I'm also curious if you have any idea how the Vegas and Seattle rosters would be built. How has it happened in the past? Any fun suggestions? Love the show. Josh. Uh, P.S. A bonus question. Best current NBA player nicknames. I want to do a whole nicknames episode. I feel really passionate about nicknames. So, Josh, we'll keep that in our back pocket for now. John, uh, what do you think about NBA expansion? I will say for what it's worth, Adam Silver did his finals press conference. I don't remember the reporter who asked the question, but kudos to them because it was hilarious. And they basically were like, Adam, there's a report that the NBA is looking to expand to Seattle and Vegas. Like, essentially, like, care to comment? And Adam Silver had to be like, oh, those reports aren't true. Like, really put him on the yeah. spot. I think Silver was even smiling as he answered it. But uh, I think it's coming, especially as the league looks to make up some of the money it lost from COVID, et cetera. Um, yeah, John, wherever you want to go with this. I mean, I'll just, I obviously have no inside information on this. Uh, I will just respond as a fan of the game in the NBA. Yes, and please. I oh, mean, it's really? way past. Oh, Seattle and Vegas? Are you kidding me? Yeah, like, but I don't. I that want... sounds up. We we have a team. We I say we. The <laughs> NBA has a team in and earmuffs if you live there. Oklahoma City. I don't know if you've been to Oklahoma City. Okay, so Look, I don't mean to disparage. <laughs> Oklahoma City, but it is not quite Vegas and Seattle. Seattle and Vegas are two incredible cities. Give them NBA franchises. Here's what I'll say about Oklahoma City. I, I feel like I've probably mentioned this a lot before. I went for my Chris Paul story. I had a nice time. Shout out to Gun Izakiah and Goro Ramen, two of the best, better meals I've had in my NBA travels. But yes, I do think people get bored there pretty quickly. It's not the biggest city. My issue with expansion is I actually don't think I want more NBA teams. I like the level of really? competition in the league right now. I think top to bottom, like teams are really good. Even the bad teams, this is not a unique take, but like, you know, the Pistons of the world, et cetera, the Rockets, they're generally pretty fun to watch. And I don't like the idea of diluting it. And as much as I don't like the idea of certain cities losing their teams, like we've seen Oklahoma City, for example, the playoff games that are a lot of fun, like does New Orleans really seem like it's supporting basketball right now? Like, if I'm being perfectly honest, um, I, I don't, you know, I hate to just be the guy who start offering up cities for a relocation, but yeah, I'm a little bit worried about the dilution of talent. That that You're not worried about that in the slightest. No. I, like, what are we talking about here? An extra 30 players? Like, yeah, that's percentage a lot of players. Percentage-wise, I, I don't know that that will, do, because also on, like, in your... When you're thinking about the way that you're presenting it is you're going to have two new teams and it's going to be, you know, like all new G leaguers and college kids. But that's not the way that expansion works. Right. There'll be plenty of veterans who are in the expansion draft to populate your team and then you're sprinkling it. Yeah. Are the odds that they won't be 
great teams in Seattle and Vegas to start probably, but let's just think about the hypocrisy here. Your team, the Miami heat, an expansion team and immediately became one of the great expansion franchises in the history of not just the NBA, but sports writ large, right? I mean, look, look at the kind of legacy, uh, an organization that they built. So it's not impossible. I don't think that it would dilute the talent pool that much. And also, uh, selfishly, Seattle and Vegas. <laughs> I would like to go to Seattle and Vegas and watch NBA games. That sounds... In- I mean, look, we're already, we're already doing summer league in Vegas, right? Like, yeah. there's, it's The Raiders are having a good time there. The Golden Knights are having a good time there. Seattle as we all know, got screwed out of the Sonics. That needs to be made right. I think there's a no-brainer for them. I definitely agree we need NBA teams in those cities. It's just the manner of how we're getting them there. As far as Josh's questions go in terms of the rosters being built, there would be an expansion draft. Teams get to protect a certain number of players. The expansion teams would basically end up with the bottom half. There are choices right. of the bottom halves of most NBA rosters. Um, I'm with you. Seattle, I, I think this, the Thunder is still technically like have the history of the Sonics, which is so stupid. I don't know why the NBA just like whiffs on these like layups. It's like, okay, yeah. it's you want to move the team, whatever. We hate this. At least leave the history behind. Like, like who is this serving? It's just so stupid. Um, we all want the Sonics back. There's no question. A Vegas team would be really fun. Um, it would genuinely be hilarious to watch which teams want to move to the East because, frankly... I think the teams at the top of the East, whatever, it's the teams in the West who would be clamoring to go East because the East, for whatever reason, historically, Mm -hmm. consistently, the weaker conference, I don't know how it keeps happening, but that cycle doesn't seem to be ending anytime soon. I think there would be a legitimate competition and like bloodthirst from teams to move to the West to the East. I mean, geographically, there's easy fixes for those two, right? I mean, like it's probably Memphis and New Orleans. It makes sense, but I'm telling you, I bet Minnesota would be like, hey, 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 hold on. You know, uh, Minnesota. Someone, you could think someone, about Minnesota. Yeah, someone would try to get involved here uh, and, and I think muck things up because I'm telling you, I think a lot of teams would, like he mentioned, I, he the Pels and Grizz would jump to the top of the conference. A lot of teams would want to move over, not have to deal with uh, some of these Western Conference markets. What would you do? You I mean, have it's like the a, NBA. Yeah, there's I, I get like even the bad teams are really good. And any night you could end up like those bad teams that you think you're not worried about could end up beating you. So like realignment happens in sports all the time. Uh, All I see, the only thing I see is Seattle and Vegas. Like like all of these other things, all these other issues, and I'm more air quotes here are easily solved by saying this would be good for the league to have franchises in these cities. It's going to grow the game. There's so many good basketball players out there. The league is as talented as it's ever been. It's going to be fine. It's not going to dilute the, the pool that much. Put the franchises in. I It just truly baffles my mind that we somehow don't have a team in Seattle, like this huge city. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, it, there are so many reasons, but truly, truly baffling. Uh, I wonder what they'd name the Vegas team, and I, I'm curious how like hard to lead. Oh, you got an idea. I have I, I was an idea. Gonna put, I was going to put you on the spot, and I didn't want to put you on the spot, so now I'm thrilled that you have an idea. What would you name Please it? do. So as you might suspect, I have thought about this quite a bit. <laughs> uh, I am a Philadelphian, spent my entire life there. I was actually born in Las Vegas. Uh, 
Mm. So I still have family in Vegas. I moved back to Philly or her family moved back to Philly at a very early age. But I have still um, affection for the city. I was thrilled when they got the Raiders. I know that it sucked for Oakland, but I thought it was cool that the, the Golden Knights and like the idea that, oh, we can't have sports in Vegas because there's gambling there was preposterous to begin with. I'm glad we've done away with that. So I've been thinking about this for a long time. Here's my team name because it doesn't exist in professional sports oh, currently. Oh, wow. And I think it's perfect for both the city's identity and the marketing. The Las Vegas Villains. The Villains. The Villains. You lean into Vegas as uh, the anti-hero. You, you wear some black. You already got the black with the Raiders. You just you go full bore into this whole we're the bad guys bit. Very interesting. First of all, they're going to have to be very careful with the mascot <laughs> to not offend <laughs> any groups. I'm intrigued by villains. I was going to say something so lame that you're going to laugh at how pathetic of, of an idea. But like, are we sure okay. they can't just be called the Las Vegas Dice? The Dice. You know, I suppose they could be called the dice. Right? Their fan, you know, their fan group. You know, the, the name of their fan, the dice rollers. Um, the mascot. In general, the mascot is just some big jovial like paradise. Um, you know, just in general, lean into. You, I, I, you, please go ahead. I'm not in general a huge fan of team names that are singular. Heat, Magic. Um, there's Thunder. a zillion others. Yeah. Thunder, like, yeah, like lightning. Eh, that doesn't do a ton for me. Um, I also like the alliteration to villains. This is just, look, we're, we're, there's no wrong answers here. Uh, we're having, <laughs> we're having an open brainstorming <laughs> session. I'm oh throwing it out there just got for, for the expansion. When they decide to start thinking these things through, I'd like to put villains in the hopper and see if the cat licks it up off the stoop. That's not the worst idea. I just got, a text from our producer Shelby Royston who says the mm-hmm. villain's mascot is the guy who ties people to the railroad tracks and is twirling yeah, his the, mustache. The handlebar mustache. Shelby knows this is exactly it can be a cartoonish kind of villain, right? So that as you mentioned, we don't offend <laughs> any specific uh, groups of people, which yeah. we would want to do. But I think like leaning, like nobody really adopts the Raiders, do right? The Raiders yeah, have been the bad guys the, forever. Yeah. But now you've got that crosstown component in the other league. I love it. Yeah, I do like the idea of like special home games you just bring in. It's like we got Willem Dafoe courtside. We got, you know, whoever is like famous for playing villains. Uh, we can yeah. get them. I'm, I'm warming up to it. Shelby's text really uh, has me warming up to it. Although I do think I do think we're sleeping on dice a little bit. I'm just going to throw that out there. I think that got <laughs> swept under the rug. There's a lot of good If you like, do dice. say so. So, like, you just think about all the half-court, like, games they could be playing with dice with fans during breaks in action at halftime, etc. Um, a lot of potential there for interactions. I don't know how they – I don't know what they call it in the biz. But, yeah, a lot of ways to engage I mean, in that, in that instance, like, why are we not doing – like, wasn't there a USFL team, the Gamblers? I think that sounds right. I mean, that like, that's so on the nose, though. Lean I don't know. all if, the way in. Like <laughs> – I don't know if the league is that far into it's okay to gamble mm. on sports that they'd right. want to call the franchise the gamblers, mm. but maybe. 
I'm I'm warming up to the Las Vegas villains. Open a limited time 11 month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org/cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average federally insured by ncua okay i love walker hayes he's amazing he's so fun such a great entertainer and that's why i'm so excited that jc penny and country music singer songwriter walker hayes are partnering together on a new limited time men's collection for the everyday guy the walker hayes for jc penny collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. All right, John, there's a couple fun things I wanted to hit here at the end. First and foremost, I need to apologize to a valued Open Floor Globe member. You're all valued. I just want to point that out there. But Hedda, who wrote in much earlier this year, asking me to do the Love Island Minute every episode, I said I would do it. And guess what? I haven't been doing it, even though I've been watching this current season of Love Island like a hawk. Hedda writes in, Dear Rohan, yes, this email is directed directly at you and no one else. In the last few episodes, there's been no Love Island Minute updates. And as the reader who requested it to begin with, I am outraged and saddened by the sudden turn of events. I was a bit sad when Mike announced he was taking a break, but very happy when I heard the reason. Big congrats to Mike and his wife. The blow of this loss was lessened by you taking over, uh, as I hope for even more Love Island content. But you've not only let me down, you've let the whole open floor globe down. Please bring back wow. the Love Island Minute. Uh, 
Much love, Hedda, who adds, formerly of Norway, now of Australia. She's just kicking it down under. Also adds, please note, this is in no way a serious email. Hopefully a comedic request. She still loves the show. Hedda, thank you so much for writing it. And you're right. Thank you to the Open Floor Globe for holding me accountable. I promise to do the Love Island Minute. I haven't been doing it. And let me tell you, this season's been an absolute firecracker. We just got out of movie night. The Casa Amor movie night combination is some of the greatest producing in the history of television. Um, Ekin Sue reminds me of my high school girlfriend, straight up liar, just lying straight to your face. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But shout out to Ekin Sue. High school girlfriend's catching <laughs> yeah. strays. Sorry, sorry, high school girlfriend. Um, but shout out to Ekin Sue, just a generational talent and straight up liar. I'm sick of Andrew and Tasha. Um, although Andrew had one of the all-time quotes in the history of the show that I, I can't really repeat on uh, this podcast, but sick of Andrew and Tasha, I think Luca post-movie night, uh, I'm disgusted by his actions. He's completely overreacting to the clips of Gemma and Billy. Uh, the suit Billy wore to movie night, uh, like, I can't take him seriously ever again. That was pathetic, comical, terrible dressing. Someone needed to step in. I think that Paige and Adam should continue to crack on. I like their chemistry, and frankly, they have a good chance to win the show. So those are my thoughts on what's been happening uh, over at the Villa in Mallorca. It's, it's been a hot season, John. Uh, sounds incredible. I've never seen the show. <laughs> I'm aware of its existence. I, my, I, don't, I don't do a lot of... I don't watch a ton of TV as it is. I watch very little reality television. I do have a guilty pleasure... Which for me is Below Deck. I don't know okay. if, if you watch on Below Bravo, Deck. On Bravo, correct. So I'm, I'm, I'm in on all okay. the Below Decks. Okay. And in fact, yesterday, um, on Sunday, I was out and about with my wife and some other people in Los Angeles, and we were in Hermosa Beach. Oh, thanks Beach. for the invite. That's and, cool. Uh, you're in Florida, uh, <laughs> as, as we record this. Would have been a tough commute for you. Um, but so everybody, everybody in LA has a celebrity sighting list. Mm-hmm. And like my all-time top celebrity sighting was John Goodman. That was like an incredible oh, experience. Awesome. But I had my first ever below deck sighting Ooh. yesterday, which I thought was pretty cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I would freak out if I saw some of the Love Island uh, castmates in real life. Um, Can but- I tell you, uh, I did not comport. So I've, I've, we live in Los Angeles. You run into celebrities, not like all the time, but it, it happens, happens enough where you're yeah. like, you see, people, I have never once, including when John Goodman leaned across me to throw out trash at the car wash, <laughs> said a word to a celebrity. Below deck lady walks by. Colleen goes, please don't. Couldn't help myself. Shout her name. I'm waving. You're waving. Uh, no. Yeah, I was waving to her. So I, below deck, different, different vibes. Yeah, definitely different vibes. Um, I don't know the last time I said hi to a celebrity. I mean, I didn't even say hi to Bill Russell, who I was like getting emotional about i think if i saw like the lead singer from the national somewhere i'd like in my in my ideal celebrity meet cute scenario i see um matt berninger of the national at a coffee shop and i buy his coffee for him that way it's like it's subtle i'm not blowing up his spot i'm not asking him to you know i think i remember the last time i said hi to a celebrity it was john legend at an si swimsuit party and Uh, i had had a few drinks and i was like john um, that song they say that you have with Common, super underrated, and he started singing the hook, and I was like, this "No is, way! 
this is the most beautiful thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And then he was like, if you like that song, I think you should check out my new album. And I was like, <laughs> dude. John Legend was pitching you on his new album. Yeah, Amazing. absolute pitch from John Legend on the new album. And then lastly, this is something that we briefly talked about before the show. Uh, you mm-hmm. mentioned your wife is busy with her job, currently covering the NFL, giving you some alone time at the house. I'm at my parents' house in Florida, um, which has given us both some time to watch some really garbage movies that we otherwise would mm-hmm. not necessarily be watching. Um, do you have like a favorite, like this movie sucks when I'm going to watch it anyway? Um, what's kind of your your lowbrow go-to vibe? What, what are you enjoying watching these days? So... Again, haven't watched a ton of TV, but I do like the occasional, like we were describing it as sort of like the the bar being an airplane movie. Yes. Right? Because yes. like when you're on, a, on an airplane, watch I'll anything. watch anything. Yeah. Uncharted. Like, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Give it to me. Um, I'm trying to think of one that I've watched. I mean, like this doesn't really count because it was pretty critically acclaimed, but the Batman just came out mm-hmm. and <laughs> I wasn't going to watch that. I do like superhero mu- movies, but this seemed like even for a Batman movie, like pretty dark and disturbed. However, I was bored as hell. So I was like, I'm going to put it on. It's three hours of Paul Dano who plays the Riddler, like really chewing some scenery. <laughs> Like, like, I don't know if you've seen it, but I was like, what are, what are we doing here? Like who asked for this interpretation of the comic classic Batman? There's also a scene in that movie where the Riddler is at a coffee shop waiting to be caught by the police and his mm-hmm. latte art is a question mark, yeah. which begs a lot of like, did the barista, did he ask the barista to do a question mark? Did he learn latte did art he do it? for the purposes yeah. of getting caught by the police? Um, yeah, I've been watching some, like, I'm like, what is a very, an action movie I can fall asleep to? So, Unknown, the Liam Neeson classic, nonstop, another Liam Neeson, like, someone asked me the other day, it's like, what sells you on a movie? I'm like, give me, like, a goofy premise and I'm in, and it's like, oh, Liam Neeson has to stop a terrorist while on a plane who says they're going to kill someone every 20 minutes. I want to watch that movie. Liam Neeson has forgotten his identity and someone else has assumed it. Um, and there's a plot to maybe assassinate someone. Yeah, I want to watch that movie. And I watched, mentioned what spurred this conversation, Olympus Has Fallen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gerard Butler is a disgraced Secret Service agent who after a tragic incident involving the president and his wife <laughs> is now single-handedly trying to prevent like a hostile takeover of the White House. Um, truly, truly incredible stuff. Like really awful violent movies that I, I can't get enough of very violent uh incredibly jingoistic that series <laughs> becomes like more and more problematic in terms of uh patriot how patriotism yeah. is applied moving yeah. forward um but you did mention some some tropes that i think are really interesting uh, including like if you're on an airplane like the characters on an yeah. airplane or there's an assassination attempt and or the president is involved. So uh, I want to throw out an older school one oh. that I did just recently watch, AMC. Have you seen Air Force One of with Harrison course. Ford? Of course, come on, man. Okay. Yeah. I was going to make sure that you caught that one, yeah. I, the president either has to be, like, barely in the movie or they can also fight. <laughs> Those are the only versions of the president I want to see yeah. in my in my cinema. Like, they're, they have, they have an eight-second press conference clip talking about how the country needs to get back on its feet or they can they're actually fighting the bad guys themselves uh well john i think that'll do it 
uh, this week's episode. I'm sure we <laughs> that'll could wrap do, it up. Yeah, I think we. I'm sure we could do another 30 minutes on the bad movies we've watched recently. But John, this was a lot of fun. I'm glad we finally got to host together. Shout out to that one reviewer again who said that he doesn't want to listen to a Sixers Homer podcast. Well, guess what, buddy? Uh, we just we came right back to it. I hate to break it to you. Just a dusting this time. Yeah. Just a sprinkling. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, and it was germane to the what's happening in the league. So I think maybe we get a pass on that. That's right. As Travis Scott would say, sprinkle a little seasoning on the salad. Um, don't look that up. Uh, that'll do it for this week's episode of Open Floor, though. Uh, please keep your emails coming. Openfloormail at gmail.com. Thank you again for everyone who sent their well wishes in uh, for Pina. And please subscribe to John's podcast. John, this is your moment. Tell us about SI Weekly. Yeah, listen to SIW, SI Weekly, uh, Sports Illustrated Weekly, wherever you get your podcast. This week on Wednesday, we have the audio version of a story told by Howard Beck about the history behind the phrase one, two, three Cancun. So if you're an NBA fan, I urge you to listen to that. It's uh, very funny and it's got some great stuff from Howard. Awesome. That's going to be a very fun story. Looking forward to that episode. Um, Chris Herring will return soon. I believe he copied me and went to Mexico City for people who are missing Chris. He'll be back again. Thanks for everyone sending in their well wishes to Mike. I'm making sure he gets all of them. Uh, until then, everyone, please continue to enjoy the NBA offseason. Whoa. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.